Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now that we've crossed the line, it's time to show you that's who we are as we look at episode nine of Paramount Plus's limited series, The Offer. This one is directed by Adam Arkin, who returns to close out the season, and it's written by Nikki Toscano and Mona Mira. Joining me, as ever, is my very own Tony the Sicilian AD, Will Chich. How are you, Will? I'm good yourself, mate. I'm oh yeah, I'm fantastic. How how are you feeling being in the kind of final stretch of this series, on the penultimate episode of this season? Are you are you sad? Are you happy? Are you do you want to leave these guys? Bit, I'm a little bit sad that it's coming to an end because I'm enjoying. I'm in it now, you know. But I also want to see how it pans out. You know, yeah, I, I, I think we know how it pans out. Being yeah, yeah we know how it pans out. <laughs> Twist ending. F- film gets yeah, destroyed. Yeah, burnt. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing how the premiere and things go. Nice, nice, nice. Well, as we get into talking about this episode, as we do every week, can you tell us where we left our characters at the end of episode eight? Yes, so production is in full effect. Production's happening within it. Um, crazy eyes got whacked by Caesar, meaning they have uh, they have the money to go to Sicily, and Bob's had a bit of a meltdown. That's basically how we finished, was Bob having a meltdown and the revolution that they can go to Sicily. So, yeah, that's where we're at. We're going to Sicily! As, we're going uh, to as, Sicily. As Francis Ford Coppola uh, announces to the bar full of people, um, which I think as we discussed last week, which is really funny, is was not filmed in Sicily. But um, having spoken to Dan Fogler, I asked him about that, and they were actually meant to go to Sicily for like for some of that. But because of COVID, it's supposed to be like something like 
tenery for something like that and they were a bit like oh really and then and then obviously that didn't pan out it's like yeah we're just gonna film it in la somewhere in california like we'll we'll, we'll make it work so uh but quite like it would have been like quite nice if they have rocked up in benadorm yes yeah <laughs> i'm not sure if there's anywhere that doesn't have like a garish neon or a sunburnt britishman that they could have got away yeah. with masking it to look like Sicily in <laughs> any way in Benidorm, though. Yeah, it wouldn't have quite been the same as the cafe doubling up as a Lineker's bar. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, what a, what a piece of shit old fucking Wayne Lineker is as well. Let's fucking let's, yeah. let's drop. Uh, let, let, let's not. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not get started on that. Let's not. Um. So where do we pick up? Uh, with the gang at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, so the gang are in the um, in a bus, in a little camper bus bus going on. They're on their way to... Um, they're going to Sicily. They're going to the uh, location. And yeah. that's where we see them. Yeah, yeah they're well, going to the location. Well, they're going to the town of Corleone. Yeah. Which, like, did happen as somewhere that they scouted as a potential location or the Sicily shots. And um, I particularly love Francis giving this speech about Sicily. You know, my grandfather, Francesco Panino, once told me about Italy. Oh, I bet we're going to find out. He was a composer, and he told me that when he emigrated to America that he missed home like crazy. And when he finally got to come back, it was like picking up an old beloved instrument that he hadn't played in a really long time. Yeah, at first it was a little out of tune, but then when he started playing it, all the notes became familiar again. For me, it's like I'm, I'm hearing these notes for the first time. I love, I love the way the 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 music that underscores that scene as well. Is this an Italian cover of California Dreaming? California Dreaming, yeah. Uh, I, I love that. Like, yeah, nice little, nice little Italian cover of it. Sounds sounds perfect. Um, what do you think of like they've obviously this dynamic between Francis and Gordy Willis because like you hear him when he's like when he says like oh about my like about my grandfather he's like oh. You're gonna tell me, like, what do you? Gonna tell you, yeah. What do you? What do you make of their kind of like relationship throughout throughout this show? Because obviously they've had quite a fractious. But yeah, what do you think of their kind of? Yeah, we've uh, what we've seen of them has been quite fractious, but there's obviously a bit of respect as well. But what we, I kind of, although, you know, I kind of wish we'd had a bit more of it, like. Because I think that would have been quite a funny dynamic watching them, like we, like with the early stuff with um, um, missing man in action, Puzo, that Coppola and Puzo stuff used to be great. So I, I kind of, yeah, would have quite liked to see more of that them sparring a little bit. Well, because it's quite a funny, quite a funny thing. That's quite a funny line. There's certain aspects of it that have totally been skipped over. Like we've had no like Nina Rota, the composer at all. Like, do you know what I mean, like. I'm not sure if nothing exciting happened, but at least like to see Francis on like a sounds. Do you know what I mean? In like yeah. a kind of like being at the recording and hearing the Godfather theme for the first time or whatever would have been a great. Or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, him like them showing Ruddy or them 
they would have fabricated it right they all would have gone to the the recording of it of course, like, yeah. been blown away by the sound of like the 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 the, the, the theme yeah because there's bits of this well we'll get to it but there's kind of things they focus on more than they needed to and like you say miss out the like the score and certain things are kind of like because it's rocketed along, and now we're only two episodes left, and there seems to be bits which we could have got rid of to have better things. Yes. Like, yeah, there's it the focus. There's a couple of focuses on things which I thought, well, could have got rid of this for better things. Do you think some of that comes down to the fact that it is? a story a la Al Ruddy as opposed to like the focus of this yeah. isn't Coppola isn't 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 really it is the making of the Godfather but it's the making of the Godfather through the prism of Al Ruddy and like his yeah, yeah. tribulations. And like that that is quite clear sometimes. Like how well Ruddy deals with every situation is clearly from Ruddy's perspective of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, had it been a different show, whoever's perspective, I, I don't think Al Ruddy would have been as as cool. Yeah. He does just wander around being, just sorting shit out in long coats sometimes. You're like, <laughs> that would have happened that yeah. way. Yeah, the, the, there is an aspect of the fact that, like, he's a man in his, like, late 80s, early 90s, like, is he putting a bit yeah. of like spice on these stories to make him sound like the fucking king ding? Well, he's probably told. Yeah, he's probably told these stories so many times. He's not hundred percent sure what it is now because mm-hmm. he's like you say, he's in his mind. Yeah, and if you're if you're like if you're a good raconteur as well, each time you tell a story, yeah. you always add on a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, and like hmm. nine times out of ten, depending on who you are, it's either more deprecate like 10 percent more deprecating each time like self-deprecating or it's 10 percent more like i'm the fucking hero of the story so imagine like yeah yeah over yeah over the 50 years since this came out he's taken yeah. the approach of and then i single-handedly took on the mob like <laughs> yeah don't worry about the score he took on the mob you like, oh, okay okay I'll... yeah so yeah, there's a lot of Al doing that. So who who have we got over in Sicily? What's the gang we've um, so the, assembled? So we've got um, Al, Francis, Betty, and other Al, Pacino. He's there. He's in the back of the bus. Al oh, Pacino in the back of the bus. Um yep. Who else is there? We've got Dean Tavalaris, the production oh, Dean designer. Dean Tavalaris, uh, Gordy is there. Yeah, oh, Gordy Wiggs. I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Is that uh, it? Yeah. A very, yeah. A very tight crew. Uh, for and they, they, That's all they could get in the camper van. Exactly. And they, they turn up to Corleone and go, uh, well, they meet <laughs> they meet their man on the ground in, in, in Sicily, Tony. What do you Tony. What, what do you make of Tony? Like, what was your first impression when 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 we stumbled when we met this guy? Again, it's a it's another it's what they showed us, but he is a little bit of a step. 
because they rock up and he's there, and the first thing he says is, uh, "So, so, so, uh, you want pasta?" And they sit, they sit down for some wine and pasta, which we haven't said about our wine, mate. Um, oh, yeah, so they sit wait down for. Wait a second, know, ladies and gentlemen. We've made it. We've made an error. Pull up! Pull up! Pull up! We need to discuss one little thing before we go any further, and that is the wine. So, Will, what wine have we gone for this week? We have, we've again, we've, we're in sync. We've, we've, in, we've, we're in sync. Um, yeah, so we've gone for a Sicilian Reserve Red. As the extra special. As their extra special. And um, what, what do they say about this wine? Uh, maybe you can read it because I'm in poor light over here. Well, I'll read it. Yeah. Um, this uh, Asda Extra Special, probably of Italy, from Sicily. This full-bodied, rich reserve red is carefully selected from a warm Mediterranean climate, which is tempered by cool coastal breezes, partly aged in French oak barrels with a further 12 months maturation in bottle before release. This displays a deep color with smooth and generous black roots. Oh. There you go. Well what are you getting for it? What year? What what year are you rocking? I got a two thousand and eighteen. Two thousand eighteen, mate. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eighteen yellow label Asda, of course. Yes, please. Seven pounds. Seven pounds. You can buy that. Seven pounds. Yeah, you can buy that bottle away yeah. for seven pounds. Uh, yeah. What yeah. what are you thinking of the taste? This going down. Going down pretty pretty smooth for me. I'm, I'm enjoying. It's it. lovely, mate. Right, let's yeah. let's let's have a little sip. All see what flavour notes we're getting. A bit of a bit of ASMR for you freaks out there. Lovely. Yeah. Um, I think I don't know. Get a bit of a red current vibe. Yeah, red current. Maybe a little bit of cherry in the back notes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely got like a sweetness to it. Mm. It's very like yeah. I don't know. I can almost I can almost taste. I can, I can taste the anti-pasty. Do you know what I mean? I can, I can, oh. I can, I can, I can, I, I'm there. I can taste Sicily. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm there. I can, I've never been, I've been, but. No, I've, I've, I've got slight hints of Costa Nostra in, in the back of my throat. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? A bit, a bit of, a, yeah. bit, a bit of, yeah, a bit of, bit of, bit of mafia dealings going on in, in the tasting notes there as well. Bit of, yeah, bit of under table deals. Uh, so, Back to yeah, so as they sit down for wine, as as we are sitting down for wine, um they discuss yeah, they're they're discussing the film and I kind of love I love the interplay here because I don't well, well actually, you know, let me back up on that. Do I love it? What do you think of like this show's kind of portrayal of Coppola? Obviously, we've got this like running thread of Gordy Willis kind of like mugging him off all the time and like be like, oh fucking hell. Just... Here we go. And then we get the we get the waiter when he's asking about the anisette and he says, like, oh yeah, I make my own and the waiter walks off. What like and then they all laugh just... at him. Like 
Yeah, it's a strange one because they've kind of changed their tone about Coppola. Mm-hmm. In this episode, the beginning of this episode, it's a bit of a weird one because he gets mugged off twice in the space of five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Proper mugged off. Whereas before, he's been a bit of a pain because he is Mr. Perfectionist. And, you know, there's been that vibe. There's always been a you know, a bit of respect about him because, come on, he is the artist, he is the director, he is. But they flat out mug him off. <laughs> and it's the beginning of this episode. Yeah, so he says about, he's talking about the wine, isn't he? And he's talking about the wine and he says, no, yes, set, the way. So it's like a... That's it, yeah, sorry, yeah. It's basically, so I, I, I researched because I, I didn't really know too, because I was like, oh, mate, mate. Maybe we could have checked, like, maybe for this week we could have drank Anaset. And then I looked at it and it's like, basically, we'd have to drink Perno. And it's like, do I really want to be drinking Perno? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't fancy doing that. Yeah, like, what is it? It's like, it's like li- liquid licorice all sorts, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the few drinks, here's a little Perno fact, which might not be a fact, it might be Uzo. But I think it's Perno. It crystallizes in your stomach, so if you drink water afterwards, you'd think that it would uh, sober you up. But in fact, it just gets you pissed again. Isn't so that, there you go. Isn't that Pachine? The the, the no, Irish I think I, 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 it's not. I think this one is either it's either Uzo or Perno, or I'm talking shit. It could be any of those, but yeah, I know Pachine does it. Yeah, but I think it's Perno or. Yeah, yeah, because I know, I know, I, I know somebody who's like bang into Perno, and they drink it oh, like you mix no. it with water. Yeah, like, and it goes like a cloudy. Yeah, horrible. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a cloudy. Yeah, I remember being on a stag do, and like we brought like brought our own booze, standing in a nice country house. So like, what are you drinking, mate? Like just met him that day, and he's like, I'm drinking uh drinking Perno. I was like, I've never had it. Like, he's like, yeah, have a sip of this. And I'm like, fuck it, hell. Yeah. Because you got Puno and Black as well. What's that? Puno with a bit of black hair in there. Oh, okay. no. no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I didn't suggest. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we didn't get get a bottle of Puno each. This would have been a very messy episode. Just yeah. uh, slurring by the end. I'll tell you what, Will. Um, so, Al Ruddy is introduced to. Bruno by Tony, uh, who says he wants to see him tomorrow. Why does he want to see him tomorrow, Will? What's the, who is this? Who is Bruno? So Tony informs Al that Bruno has sorted out all the uh, permits, says you won't need any permits, anything like that. And he's like, okay. And then we find out swiftly that um, Bruno is the mafia. Yes. He yeah. is part of the mafia, yeah, so yeah. they they're back around. He he says to Tony, he's like, is, is he mafia? He's like, see him mafia, yes, Costa Nostra. He's so probably like, yeah, Costa yeah, Nostra, of course. They they yeah, Costa Nostra. They uh, run everything here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like that. That that that's how that that's how things go. Yeah, so they leave they leave Corleone right, and then try yeah. and f- look for somewhere else. And they mention there was a place they passed called Terramina that was by the airport. Yeah, because I think it's it's Gordy, isn't it? He says, um, 
so there was that place we passed near the airport yeah. and um obviously francis is not happy about it because francis had yeah. his mind set on it we're, we're shooting in burbank then we move back to la to see barry storming into bob evans's office and um that like yeah and uh peter bart is having a meeting with alvin Sargent about um paper moon right he's discussing yeah he's discussing paper moon with him and Sim. oh no no no, no. Uh, let me back that up let me back that up so fuck that up um in the office i think the peter the paper moon conversations later on yes yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i will i will i'll I'll do that again so barry comes in yeah so so we move back so we go yeah so we we get our first taste of la in this episode with barry storming into bob evans's office and peter comes in to book a meeting with alvin Sargent. he speaks to the sheila on the front desk and barry then questions him about uh, where Bob is and says he wants a meeting about everything that's coming up on their slate. Um, what do you think? Like, I, I guess we can kind of talk about this now slightly. Peter Bart kind of gets a step up in this episode. What did What did you kind of make of make of his performance? Like, yeah, and like him kind of getting to be yeah. a bit more in the forefront. It's quite a like I said. We'll get to it, but it's quite a. Um, Lapidus and uh, Peter Bart centric episode because it's the most we've seen of Lapidus by Lapidus in the episode. And it's the, probably the most we've seen of Peter Bart. And he has a few moments in this where it's the first time he's got, because he hasn't got to really do anything. Mm-hmm. He's just been about, he's been a bit of a conduit for Bob Evans' monologues most of the time. That's what he's been there for. He hasn't had any moments in the spotlight himself he's chipped in some really great suggestions right like yeah there's like i think there was a moment in one of the earlier episodes where he suggests james khan for sunny he's like you know what that wouldn't be a bad idea kind of thing like kind of steps into that audience surrogate role sometimes and stuff like that. yeah yeah, i think that's what he's been that's been his main role throughout Uh he hasn't really had any He's had those little snippets and one light, like lines, but he hasn't had his moment in the spotlight. And this is where I suppose neither has Lapidus, really. He's only been the. Well, what's interesting? On the end of some of Bob Evans' best lines, what, but he hasn't really done anything. What's interesting about the character of Barry Lapidus is he is a total fabrication for this story. He is, he is basically like the person he, he, he's a created villain like there was no barry Lapidus oh, okay. in real life there was there, there there wasn't anyone at um paramount who was causing this level of friction like because obviously there's aspects of this as i think as we discussed last week um yeah ali mcgraw and bob evans didn't split up until after the godfather had come out like that, that, yeah. that, that doesn't line up. And like, I suppose the, 
the Lapidus thing, if, like you say, him, I didn't know he was a fabrication. I, I would imagine he's an amalgamation of a lot of different pencil pushes to just make well, and this. There's, there's, prob- it, there's probably aspects a, of stuff it, that he said that Charlie Blue Dawn probably actually yeah. said to Bob Evans and stuff like that. Which you, I think for the narrative of this show, you kind of need, the whole point is with the the Blue Dawn stuff. Like, I do think a lot of it is, and we'll get to it again, so, but it, it comes in later on, that you have to have that mutual respect between those two to create that relationship. So if if Blue Dawn was saying the stuff for the penises, which is probably what happened, that relationship wouldn't really work. Uh-huh. So you need someone to be there, that tension, that the, the pencil pusher, because Blue Dawn is not portrayed as that. He's a businessman, but not in the sense of like the penis is in his suit and a proper, yeah. Who just doesn't give a fuck. Money man. Yeah, doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he just wants all. the cash. He needs his moneymaker. Whereas probably that is the case really with Charlie Bluedall. But that wouldn't work for the relationship with Bob Evans because you'd have, you need that. Yeah, you kind of need that like the, the boss and then the underling, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you kind of need that power struggle between Bob Evans and Barry Lapidus to kind of give this show an extra level of tension, right? In a, in, in yeah, a yeah, because that kind of stuff, that, that again, we've said it before, but that, that is where what this show does well, because it, it could be quite a... If it was just Bob Evans clashing with Charlie Blue Dog, Blue Dog clashing with Ready over money, blah, 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 it would be a really dry show. And there is probably a show to be made like that about the real mechanics of how it all, how these things work and the, the ins and outs of it. But that's not what this show is. So that's why you've got the Lapidus character. To, and there is a bit of a comic relief about him because it's funny watching Charlie Blue Dog give him shit and mm-hmm. Bob Evans give him shit. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just, again, that lighter tone. It's not, keeps it from being, like I say, a dry numbers show, which quite easily could be. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it could just be people arguing in yeah. boardrooms, like, which at times. It kind of, it, yeah, it kind of is a lot of, a lot of this show, you forget how much of this show is, why a lot of people's coming into rooms. Yeah, discussing so, things with in a, different rooms. And yeah. Walk and talks. Well, yeah, so in a different writer's hands, or even a different it could easily be, you know, a quite straight down the line, talky show. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we jet back to Sicily in this next scene, and the gang arrive in Taramina, and they all love it. Um, Al and Betty decide to go for, for coffee. And uh, what do you think about the fact that, like, they're just sat there and, like, all of a sudden it's, like, from, like, frame left, just Francis just appears, all right? And he's like, yeah, this place would be perfect for that scene when Michael meets Apollonia's <laughs> father. <laughs> yeah, it's another one of those, like, which happens in this show. It is one of those... Name drop just to remind you that, yeah, this, yeah, because it's fine, but it is again a little bit clunky. I, I, I mean, I, this whole 
this whole little section that we'll talk about in a minute, I thought was a little bit clunky. I, lo- I love Francis's like opening line though when he sneaks up behind Al and he's like, "Give me all your money." And he's like, "Oh, that yeah, <laughs> that was quite yeah." I forgot that. Yeah, he's quite funny. Yeah, he a gives cl- her the old yeah. A classic joke. I remember once I I worked at a cinema and there was like a Sainsbury's quite close, and I'd sometimes go there to get my lunch. And I did so one day, and I saw my like ha- by happen chance my brother was there at a cash point. And I did, I did that exact thing, like ran up behind him, give me all your fucking money. And he absolutely shit his pants. It's a classic joke. <laughs> it's <laughs> a classic. It's a classic, yeah, yeah. To people you know, not to, uh, not to, not to random strangers. Because, uh, Don't do the random strangers. Uh, highly problematic. Uh, <laughs> mm. And then, yeah, Al decides to prop, like just off of Francis' recommendation, propositions, the owner about filming there and uh we get introduced to the owner and he brings out his son to translate uh what, mm. yeah, what did you make of this kind of scene and the, the kind of interplay and obviously betty's there being like what when the amount is told i think it's like twenty five thousand lira and she's like <gasps> like heart yeah, like, it's loads of money <laughs> Yeah, because it went back to because I forgot in the van in the van on the way they were like, "Oh, what's the distance?" And Reddy was like, "I don't know, an inch." And there was that conversation. Well, oh, you don't know. You to, I thought you worked for the van company, and you should know you. And then yeah, so they, the guy wants fifty thousand lira, and Betty's like, "No way!" And then Reddy says, "Come on, done." Because yeah. it works out, it's about thirty dollars or something. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's funny. But yeah, it's just a bit clunky. Yeah, what did you think of like? Because immediately I got the vibe that like the the uh, the cafe owner's son was like instantly smitten with Betty. Did you get that vibe or is that just me? Yeah, I thought that's what we I thought that's where we were going because he he says on oh, your name and it's a Betty and he gives that look and I thought, oh I see, we're gonna have a little Sicily a little Sicily fling. Yeah. But this was this this is that we've said it before. Sometimes this is where this show falls apart a bit because it's great because of the speed it us through things, and we, we see. But this is one of those things that slow it down a bit. <laughs> a lot of Sicily happens very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And there's a like an exposition dump in the next scene. And you go oh, fuck it. right, okay. Well, yeah. Let's go to that next scene, and it is Betty and for some reason the cafe owner's son discussing yeah, it's weird it's a really weird scene because it's discussing casting for for, for apollo yeah. it almost felt like that yeah go on, sorry. let's listen to it yeah did you like any actresses so far well in the script they describe apollonia as a thunderbolt when michael sees her he immediately falls in love you saw a lot of beautiful girls and i'd like to love all of them <laughs> yeah but it's more than that. It's about how she makes you feel. Not just her beauty, but the way she looks at you. Scusi. Sono in ritardo. 
Stai ancora facendo le interviste? Sorry, I don't speak much Italian and uh, you just broke my translator. <coughs> Do you speak any English? Yes, I, I think so. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> Friday. Como ti chiami? Simonetta. And then, yeah, then then we move on to them out for dinner. What did you make of that scene? Of obviously, we get the reference to the Godfather, but they they leave out that there's a great joke in the Godfather where she's going through the days and she's like, I think she goes like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Saturday. Like she gets she, like she messes up like some of the days. And it's like, why have they not just regurgitated that joke? Because that that would have been perfect. Like if they'd like, yeah. And also, it felt like there was a whole scene missing because it, yeah, she literally went from sitting outside, not knowing the guy, and going like fifty thousand lira. You're having a laugh to being sat inside at the table with him with a different drink, and it was just it's all very. It's the next day as well, isn't it? Like, yes, but it, it, it's such a jump because mm -hmm. it, it literally ups it when you go, oh, right, this is what, oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, it's just a, an odd, yeah, because it wasn't clear that what was happening. It felt like there was something, we missed something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we it, just jumped it. They try to, sometimes the speeding through things doesn't help the show. It makes me think as well that if they had planned to actually go to Sicily to film it, like that there was a version of this script where Sicily was its own episode. There was more yeah. Sicily. Do you know what I mean? Like there would have Well, been I was like we I think we said before that I was we were, I, I was convinced we'd have this Sicily episode, which would be a bit of a romp in Sicily. Yeah. Where we've seen a lot of the Sicily stuff and all this would be, which I'm not 100% watching this now and especially this scene because it did seem really like, which maybe that was sort of the plan. Well, it feels like, especially if they were going to make the commitment to fly there. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's got yeah. to be like a big financial commitment. And it kind of feels like yeah. there would have been more stuff with like maybe the mob in Sicily, in Sicily, and stuff like that, and like, like yeah, because you kind of turn on a dime, like, oh well, we're leaving now, like, do you know what I mean? Or like, and there's so much great stuff in the Sicily section, in the Godfather, do you know what I mean? And like the wedding and stuff like that, and which like, is, and also, yeah, I, I, I do have like, you no, know, discussing. I think probably that was the plan because also. The introduction of them in the van, you've got it makes sure you see exactly who's there. That's the purpose of that. So you go, right, we know exactly who's there, and they do nothing with it really. Mm -hmm. Because right. we don't see any anything about Jill really. No, he gets we get a yeah, reaction that. shot for him, which is coming up. And that's it. Yeah. Which yeah. seems like considering the way well, yeah, we'll talk about the considering the way they've done other thing other a filming of other scenes you wouldn't have needed in there really yeah do you know what i mean yeah it it, 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 it I, feel it, like it was going to be its own episode and like they would have yeah 
gone more into it and it's kind of i don't know Mm. This episode, more than anything, is like, the, the, well, yeah, because at that meal, uh, Betty tell, takes Al to one side to tell him that Evans is going to get fired by Charlie. And they, they, like, and despite Al's beef with him, he's like, well, we're heading back to LA tomorrow. So, yeah. By it, my calculations, it's... they've been in Sicily for three days. Yeah. So they would have got there, was on, a... got there on that first day drove to Corleone it didn't like it didn't work out they go to Terramina they have the coffee the next day they're casting no they would have been there for two days two days yeah and on the third day he went home on the third day he went home yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's like, so this is when tomorrow I get we're, it. Gonna, we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna do the shoot like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the thing with like we're gonna shoot in Terramina. I think when they first get there, yeah. when they first get there, like Dean Tavolaris is like, ah, oh, that villa would be perfect for uh, Don Tomasino's like place. Like that that would be great. So like we know like oh they're they're probably gonna do some stuff around there when Michael and Ap- Apollonia are living there. Um, and then yeah, now yeah now discussing it really, if you weren't. Like, if you don't know the Godfather film as well as some people, and you, like we've said before, this is this show is not a problem if you've only seen it once a long time ago. It's an You'd kind of be watching this episode. You would kind of be on the side of everyone else going, what the fuck did you go to Sicily for? <laughs> well, you know what I mean? <laughs> because you, you don't see any of it in the show. If you weren't, we know, like, because we've seen The Godfather more than once and we can remember and have seen it recently, we know a lot goes on in Sicily. In the show, I kind of get why you would have the plan of it. Yeah, they could have they filmed that somewhere else. It was only one, one thing. It doesn't really portray the whole... They keep... Yeah, it's a weird way of doing it because throughout the show, it's been so important they go to Sicily, so important, and they've yeah. talked about... How, yeah, how important is it to go to Sicily? They have to go to Sicily. They have to film in Sicily. Then we get to Sicily, and well, he only stays two days. Well, the, 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 like the whole Sicily stuff is kind of done within the first like fifteen minutes of the episode. Yeah, bang, gone, and done. It's like we're back, Which <laughs> we're back to LA. Like, yeah, yeah. It does. It does. It it it, it does. That something something there doesn't quite sit sit with me, and I think it is. And I said, like you said, like the fact that it's probably the longest kind of bit of conflict that they've had. I don't know that that and the kind of Al Pacino will they won't they cast him kind of yeah has like spanned over multiple episodes. So it's a thing of like the payoff for it is like kind of not as like rewarding as you wanted it to be. It's like oh, if they've had this thing, it's like I want, I want. I want Sicily to be an episode. Do you know what I mean? It's like well, the, yes, the entire thrust of the last episode was the build-up to the line of Francis going, "We're going to Sicily yeah. for ten minutes." <laughs> yeah, because that's all it is. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a strange. They, like we said, this show has had its moments where they've made some strange narrative choices, and this seems to be one of them. Yes, yes, yeah. So, 
They get to that next day. So obviously, yeah, after after they're going to shoot what they're going to shoot, Al Ruddy is heading back to uh, LA. But what 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 is it we get to see them get to see them shoot? Will is it a juicy oh, yeah. scene with Al Pacino? Is it is it is it is it? Is it, is it... It's the car. It's the explosion. And this scene is quite. I can you have to give this because it is it is it's an iconic scene anyway. But it is quite it's quite a funny scene. The filming of the explosion. Yeah, I love it. I, I did I enjoy it. it. Great. I thought it... yeah, it's a funny scene. Yeah. Um, there's stuff in it as well. I think it's like Dan Fogler's reaction when like his glasses fall off and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah. at one point it's like, oh, that feels like it was like a take that that wasn't meant to happen, but they're like, Oh, that's great. We'll leave that in. And like, yeah, yeah. It's a really, again, like we've said a million times with this, the, the, the best thing about the show, apart from some of the performances, but the best thing and the, cleverest thing they've done with the show is how they dealt with the shooting of iconic scenes rather than recreating them it's another another version of, of the reaction shot yes of them filming it rather than a recreation of the scene and if could you it could you could go oh right we're gonna see them going oh it's amazing again but they change up and it's fucking it's funny it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it's a it's a good explosion gag. Well, because you get the delay, right? You get the like they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're all waiting for it, think it's not going to happen. Then yeah. boom, it happens. It's yeah. great. And then I mean, it's done. It's it's been done a million times. The whole oh, it, like oh, it hasn't worked. But it's just done really well because yeah. And like you get that you get the owner coming out being like. I think he's blown out like windows on his house. And, like, all oh, right, he's like, no worry, we'll fucking pay for it. Like, 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 yeah, yeah. Take some fucking money. Like, Tony, tell him, like, <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Like, and then, yeah. Um, and then what, your eyebrows on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. To do Tony Yeah. 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 I thought that was pretty This good. is it. Yeah. This is like, like, not going over it, but yeah, I think this is why there could have been more of this stuff in Sicily because we had the, we set up the house owner. We set up them having the house. We set up. That's it. No, that is the Sicily stuff. Yeah. Pretty much. There, there, there could have been like more stuff with the casting, even like casting Don Tomasino, casting like the two guys who, um, you know, like the two kind of escorts that Michael has, and like yeah, even them, like even seeing Al Pacino in that, like. Well, that's what that's yeah. That's what I mean. There's no sense in the context of the show for us. We know that how important Sicily was, and as people who like the Godfather or appreciate the Godfather know how important it was to Sicily. But considering the amount of time spent on telling us how important Sicily is in the context of the show, it's not that important. Yeah, because they could have had. We have one car explosion. And we don't get to see Al in like the classic, like you know, like the flat cap and the the waistcoat, yeah, like the kind of the, the the Sicily outfit. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like yeah, yeah. Like a little farmer outfit, like yeah, yeah, yeah guns, like slinging slinging shotguns over maybe, their shoulders. Maybe maybe it was there and it didn't work for some reason, but I I, I do get a sense we there was more of that. Yeah, I get I. I I get that feeling as well. I don't know how it works with, um, like limited series because I guess it all kind of gets 
especially because it's done for a streamer. It was all probably mm. commissioned at the beginning as well. It's like, do they just film loads of it and then work it out in the edit? Like, I don't know. You would have thought yeah. they would have had like because. Yeah, I don't know because again with streaming stuff now, it the episodes are not on a strict because they, they vary in length. Because this was one of the longer episodes. This is yeah. just over an hour, whereas last week I think it was forty-five minutes. So, yeah, it must be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's that thing. I would have, I would have liked it to have gone on a little bit longer to have got more to make. Yeah, Sicily have that impact. Yeah. Well, which I, I just genuinely assumed it would because of how much has been built up. Well, we're done. I think that's it. We're, we're done with Sicily and we're back in LA and well no, we're back in New York this time. And Al Ruddy is trying to convince Charlie to keep Bob Evans. Can't fire him. Well then what am I supposed to do with him? He's a lame horse. And you know what you do with a lame horse? Bob Evans is the only reason that Paramount still exists. Well then where is he? He's supposed to be running a studio. I know you Hollywood idiots think that it's all make-believe, but it's still a business. Nobody understands this business better than he does. And it doesn't matter if he's missing in action. A business does not run itself. Charlie, show some fucking decency, would you? The guy's given his blood for your company. I gave my blood for him! God damn it! Everyone told me that he didn't have what it takes. Everyone! But I saw something in him, and I believed in him, and I chose to bet on him. It was a good bet. He's Meshuggah, and he's just crazy enough to make you believe his line of bullshit. He's got that thing, you know? It just, it draws you in. Charisma. But it's gone now, Ruddy. That spark. And I have responsibilities. I cannot have a drug addict running my company. The Peters is in LA to look out for things. He's in charge for now. Let me talk to Bob. Without him, this movie won't succeed. And after everything he's done for the company, at the very least, that deserves a meeting. Well, that window is closing fast. I'm gonna... What did you make of this exchange? And obviously, this is one of the rare like scenes of like pathos we kind of see from Charlie Blue Dawn, and it's like he feels personally hurt. Like it's all been about money up until this point, and he feels he feels let down by Bob Evans. This is the kind of vibe I got from this scene. Yeah, yeah, and I think. This goes back to what we were saying about this the Lapidus thing. If Charlie was that character, this wouldn't work because you always get the sense with um, Evans and um, Blue Hornet they butt heads, but there's a there's a mutual respect, Mm -hmm. and this highlights that. That like, yeah, I think genuinely in in the show that Blue Hornet is hurt and disappointed and it's played really well mm-hmm. he still manages to do that thing at the end like he always does and said i mean about money but you can tell that 
yeah, he hurt. He bet he he backed Evans, and Evans has let him down. And obviously, the score's doing some heavy lifting in that scene as well. Yeah, right? that kind of like oh yeah, somber piano like. There's there's quite a bit of that in this show where the the scores let you the scores tell you how to emote. But yeah. Yeah, that's what the scores yeah, that's what it's right? Yeah, that's what it's for. But yeah, no, it's a good scene, I think. Yeah, it just shows again that there's a bit of it, it gives Charlie a bit of humanity about him. Whereas he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be that character. He could just be a Ass, but no, nah, he has these these moments of levity. Well, I think so, yeah. Charlie Blue Don was a real loose guy. Like, was kind of like as crazy as he kind of is depicted in this show to some degree. Yeah. Like maybe maybe not so much, but was kind of like was very much down the line businessman who like saw yeah. something. I think he did. I think he rightfully saw something in Bob Evans. Like, despite his kind of like foibles and like bravado and stuff like that like no kind of knew what he was doing right he, he and, and we, we... Bob, Bob obviously knows his shit he knows what he's doing he's just a, a loose cannon yes yeah yeah sometimes you need a loose cannon to, to to front things for you um then we get to barry and peter discussing what's coming up on their slate well yeah what did you make of this thing because they discuss like Barry's very frosty to everything, right? Like, yeah, this is another, there's yeah. another great scene between them two. What, what, like, what do you think of them two like sparring off against each other? Because obviously Peter's trying to sell to him Chinatown, and um... yeah, and it's quite, it's a clever way of, yeah, I mean, clever, but it's it's quite on the nose, but it's just a way of highlighting the artists and the commerce because Barry is pretty uh, Barry is Mr. Money. This is what people are not interested in this. People are not interested. In He's making decisions about what people are interested in. Whereas um Piers does the explanation of like, yeah, but it's they're artists. This is what they this these are the, the he's basically he does the whole Chinatown thing again. But I was like, tell me about Chinatown. And Peter tries to explain to him, he's like, I'm not going to, because I think he literally says, I'm not going to green light anything I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, is like, okay. I think, I think that's how it, it still works. I think Josh Zuckerman, like, is great in this because he kind of like has this <laughs> like puppy dog look to him as well of like, you just don't, like, it's like that, that brow beating, like, you just don't get it, man. Yeah. I'm really. F- That's exactly it. Trying. He's got a look of, yeah, like, ah, f- say, you don't. This, this, yeah, like I'm. He's genuinely like, is telling him, like you, just, it's great, and oh, you just want to make what well, because he, oh, because he, he flicked to him. He says, "Oh, the Great Gatsby." I love that. Yeah. That's the first thing he says. Yeah, it reminds yeah. me of my dad. Uh, well yeah and like yeah because he if the great gatsby is a and the famous american novel and he's obviously gone oh great gatsby i know that probably never read it but he knows it and then dismisses everything else what is because just like what is interesting about the great gatsby is um 
Francis went on to write the script for that. Oh, did he? I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Francis Ford Coppola. Ah, okay. I think it, like, was part of his contract for doing part two. Right. They, like, said, like, oh, will you write the script for Great Gatsby? Like, yeah. Which will be covered on this podcast at some point in the future. (laughs) And thank you to Paramount Plus, because it is on there. Lovely stuff. Is it? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could. We could. We could easily do um, Evans or Hell, the podcast spinoff. Uh, me and you have talked about in private because I'm yeah, we have. Yeah. A, a lot of a lot of a lot of that stuff is probably on Paramount Plus. So. <laughs> it's a, yeah, that's a good point. And some of them are a real treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe not some of the stuff that we've discussed for Ruddy Hell, which would be uh oh, no. Ruddy projects that uh Yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure if he worked for Paramount or kind of floated between studios after the Godfather. Um That's it. So we yeah, Al tries to go and see Bob Evans, and th- this is the first time we get to see Matthew Good in this episode. And mm. he's, he's disheveled and drunk in his hallway and just won't open he's a he's a fucking shambles mate yeah i I don't know i felt like a real twinge of sadness when i just saw him like stood there in his hallway and wouldn't like he just wouldn't open the door it's like Mm. i've kind of mate i think i think i've been there (laughs) i mean it's gonna be all right mate i don't want come on bob i don't want to say you know I mean, I'm in my dressing gown. I'm in my pants. I'm drinking. I'm drinking some booze. I don't. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't want to open the door to anyone. It's like we've we've all we've all, a heart we've all been there, mate. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um. And so Al goes back to the office, and Caesar is on the phone. And um, yeah, what do they discuss? What do they discuss on the phone? Yeah. So. Colombo's still alive, just so he's, he's still in a coma. And um, Caesar wants to discuss the premiere mm-hmm. because um, him and a few of the associates have been promised tickets and they want to know when the premiere is, when the day is, because Caesar wants to buy a new suit. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and like, I, I was kind of explaining to him as well. He's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know he said we'd like donate some money to a league charity. We might not be able to do that, and he's like, oh, "Yeah, don't worry. Like the boss aren't going to hold you up to that. Like that's yeah, all good. Fine. Like, yeah." And this is that. Like, it feels like I don't know. How were you like when you got to this point in the episode? How are you feeling now? We're kind of back on American soil, and like obviously with the disappointment of the kind of uh, I don't know the the little we saw of Sicily. Like the, the, this kind of feels like the show that it kind of always has been right when we start to get back to this yeah show. i mean i was disappointed like you said disappointed that we didn't have more of the sicily stuff because i would have quite liked to seen but then i'm not writing the show when you know what i mean but i would have i would have had puzo there as well i would have had a romp in sicily for an hour i would have been happy with that you know but in the context of the show and the, the way we have to speed through things we've already got 
essentially two episodes, well, an episode and a half left at this point. Because we have to get to this, yes. but yeah, fine. But, but and then, but then, once I knew we were going to have Bob back of sorts, that we were focusing, we're going to be trying to draw Bob back in. The gang are back together, so it's fine. But yeah, yeah. Because when when Al gets off the phone as well, I love that Betty's like, you know, that Charlie will kill you. You have a load of yeah. monsters turn up to the premiere of this film uh, again, like. Well, you said it is definitely through Ruddy's Ruddy's view of things because he's like, I gave my word. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I gave my word. So therefore, I am taking the mafia to the premiere. I'm sure that would have panned out that way. Are you, though? There's. No, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Don't worry. I'm not going to. There's a real missed opportunity in this show. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it very shortly. Um, Barry calls Al into his office and wants to uh, discuss with him when is he going to see a cut of The Godfather? Because, yeah, from all, all intents and purposes, he kind of says, like, they're still in Sicily shooting. And it's like, well, why aren't we seeing yeah, I mean, it's like if they're yeah. still there, why aren't we there? Like, why aren't the audience there? Why aren't we getting cutaways to them, them shooting? Yeah. Um, but then we go from that to literally Francis in the editing bay, and I don't know about you, but there's something magical about watching like film spools go through all that machine, like through the editing machine, yeah, and, like. The, the the preparation of film it kind of reminded me slightly of like, mm. blowout and like I love all that kind of stuff like the technicality of all of it like I've, I've, yeah there's a there's a part yeah of I wish I saw more of that kind of stuff like the I put that I put that in the notes like although this is not the show we're watching that scene of him in that edit like with the cut in as you said. I could watch that for ages, that kind of inside baseball stuff about the actual making of, the literal making of it. Yeah. You know, like how it, yeah. And they didn't know, because it, it, it Holding up, holding up film, yeah. being like that frame there, like through the cut there, yeah, and yeah. Like stitching it together and stuff like that, yeah. It is fascinating because you forget, like, so much of it's on digital nano. It, it is something you don't forget, like, didn't even cross my mind but we were sorting out this is a kind of set but it is so we were sorting out stuff here in the house and like i've mentioned before i've got four kids and there were some vhs tapes they didn't have a fucking clue what a vhs tape was and i was like well you have to put it in the machine and i'm like what well you have to put it in the machine and the tape and nope not a clue so you forget like that is not a thing the kids and stuff because it's all just it's just stickied on the old Netflix, don't you, or whatever. It just comes on the telly. Yeah. So yeah, the thought of like the idea that I didn't know what a VHS was made me feel very old. But yeah, that that kind of stuff is yeah the I'm, old stuff. Like yeah, I'm already worried with like a three year old. Like when he's in his teens, like it'll be like all his mates will be like, your dad's got all these like DVDs and Blu-rays. Like who's this fucking dinosaur? Do you know what I mean? Like, what yeah, I'm, like, what's all that about? Clutching yeah. up to him, like, does he not know that you can watch stuff on, like, you could download it onto a hard drive and stuff like that? It'd be like, mm-hmm. 
Just don't let it straight into your brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I've seen it. <laughs> Watch The Godfather in three seconds. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah. So I, I, I loved all that stuff. That even though it's only a couple of seconds in the episode or a minute, but yeah, nice. Yeah, and, that, and then Al and Betty come to see Francis to ask him about the cut. How's it looking? You want to see for yourself? Well, I guess no reaction is a reaction. We got it. What? Come here. Oh. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's better than I ever thought it could be. Buddy, it's so good. <laughs> it is so powerful. It, and Sicily. My God, it looks so beautiful. It was worth us fighting to go yes, there. Yes, I know. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I want to show it to Evans. Yeah, I think it's ready. I think it's ready. Okay. Well, get him in here. I, I want to show him right now. Put it on the screen right now. I'm gonna. I gotta talk to him. He's dealing with some back issues right now, but but he's he's excited. I think yeah. it's ready for him. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to get some sleep then. A shower couldn't hurt. <laughs> I love that passion that he delivers it, where he's like, I want Evans in here right now. Let's wind it back. And I think that is is infectious, like watching a show of like, that's the thing. Like, that's why I'm like really hopeful that we get to see that Barry Sonnenfeld film. No, uh, Barry Levinson film. That is supposed to be like the making of The Godfather from... Francis. And I think there's I think there's perfect scope for that to still be a thing, right? This this show doesn't try oh, yeah. the toes of that that story. Because I think there's Nah. And like we've said, I mean this is a very lighthearted I mean, it has its moments of even it deals with some heavy stuff, but in a very lighthearted way. I mean, there's no the gangster stuff, there's moments of like but nothing's ever like incredibly violent or anything. It's quite a breezy, light show. So there is definitely scope for like, as you, and it's like I say, it's from Ruddy's point of view. There is definitely a version of this story from Francis Ford Coppola's perspective and a much more serious take on it. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's, all the characters are painted in massive broad strokes. And sometimes their their character does change to fit the scene and a good line. You know, it is quite so. There is definitely scope for like a a serious proper, not proper, but you know, a film about the making of it from his point of view. Well, I I, I did some research to see if like Copler had talked about like talked about the offer, and he kind of said like it's all hokum. Like, like from his perspective, yeah. it's all like, nah, that's kind of not how it went down. Because I think he had a, 
not te- like yeah he had quite a bad time making this film mm. and I, don't, I think that's something we kind of like we get glimpses of but i don't think we get the full extent of kind of his turmoil it was to make this film yeah that who said it is from Ruddy's point perspective and that's probably why these characters are painting these caricatures and broad strokes like francis is a bit of a pain in the butt and he was a bored the cast for his constant stories and that but that's only from al's point of view you know so yeah i'd be interested to see like i've never read any books about the making of him but got one ready to read now but yeah, i'd be interested to see it from different hear it from different perspectives what what book have you got lined up to the one you suggested the um leave the gun take the cannoli yes oh. yes i've got the or oh, yeah i've yes. got it on my uh my kindle so yeah it's ready to read lovely lovely you're, yeah you'll you'll, you'll you'll love it it's uh it's a, it's a great it's a great read that one and it's some some great stories like too much stuff that they couldn't have put everything into this series like there's whole characters in in this that like do you know what I mean we're in the Godfather that yeah. Abe Abe Vigoda is not um shown at all. Robert Castellano mm. as uh Clemenza. Like we never get to see like a kind of yeah, yeah. a fictionalized version of them, which would have been great. Do you know what I mean? Like imagine getting to see some oh, But like we said before, um it, it it's surprising that set whether there was a different show in its conception originally, I don't know. Because we had that whole, going back, the whole setup of that dinner party scene where we were introduced to so many people that nothing, nothing came of. Dan Keaton. It was, it was made clear she was there. Maybe it was because it was, again, it was a nod and people know the name. But we had no more of any of those people. Which I think is a shame. It would have been interesting. Yeah, we've had J- Jimmy Khan turn up one more time. And yeah. We've had, um... And again, that we've said before, but that the whole Jimmy Khan thing, he was only introduced again for that, the Duff okay, moment. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. There's been some, like we said, strange choices in what, they deci- what they've decided to focus on and what they haven't. Mm-hmm. And that maybe is from, because it's from Ruddy's point of view and he's, He's obviously span some tales, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. And I think, I think there's yeah h- hope out there that we'll get to see that ver- the the Francis version of this yeah. story told. Um, I love the detail that Francis tells them as well, where he says like, if uh, if this movie makes five uh, fifty million dollars, Bob Evans will buy yeah. me any car. Any car, <laughs> which is which is actually like you, you'll be happy to know it is actually a a real a real thing that Bob Evans promised. Francis oh, is it? Coppola. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, um, so Al and Betty talk about how they'll show Evans. Um, yeah, how they'll show Evans the film and how. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so they they're discussing like how they're gonna show um Bob if he's not even answering the door. 
but they know they've got to like, like he needs to see it because I assume the the hope is if he sees it, it'll get him out his get him out his funk and realize what he's got in his hands. But the point is, how can they if he won't answer the door? Yeah, definitely. And then, he's too busy getting fucked up. And then they obviously they 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 talk about how like Caesar is really pushing. For the premiere as well, like bet he's like, he's really, yeah, he's really keen to come to that premiere. Al, like, yeah. <laughs> maybe need to with his, with, with his associates, yeah, with his, with his gumbars. Um, mm. then we get to another Al, we get to another Peter Bart and Barry Lapidus scene, but Barry interrupts uh, Peter Bart having a creative meeting with Alvin Sargent about. Paper Moon. Um, have you ever seen the film Paper Moon? I was just going to say to you, I've never seen it. It's on. It's been on. It's one of those. It's been on lists and it's on my watch list. And for some reason, I've just. I don't think it's. I, well, I'm saying this. I, I'll probably prove completely wrong. But I don't think it's massively ready available. I don't. It, is it on any of the streaming? I don't know. So it is actually on, and you'll be you'll be surprised to hear this. It is on. Paramount Plus, baby. Oh, well, there you go. Not, I, yeah, I, my, I, I know it definitely. So, oh, okay. It'll so, go on mine because it, yeah, it's like always show, been on lists. It gets it gets made. It get, like do you know what I mean like it get it, and it gets made by Paramount. Like so, so despite the kind of fractious conversation. And what do you what? Do, yeah, what do you make of this thing? Because Barry Barry again is kind of showing us how kind of tone deaf he is to the industry, right? He's tone deaf to the industry, and they are really ramping up his dick levels in this episode. Um, we'll find out why. But like they, they are ramping up what a dick he is. He's walking around just being a dick. That's what his purpose is in this episode a lot of the time, is just being a smarmy knobhead. And that's what he does here. He walks in, and he makes his presence known, and yeah. Has some like terrible suggestions, doesn't he? Like, I think yeah, awful. He, he gets called out by Alvin Sargent. He's like, Have you actually read the book? And he's like, skimmed, yeah, he literally, yeah. And he says, I've skimmed it. And you kind of see this thing, and like, I think Alvin Sargent says, when he leaves the room, like, what the fuck was that? Like, like yeah, generally, like, what the and you, I don't know, you see a thing in like Barry's eyes where it's like, oh, fuck, I've kind of been caught out here. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that. Yeah, that moment when he says, have you read the book? There's a a look of, yeah, so what if I haven't? But he, he knows, and it, I it, we'll get to it, but it, that builds throughout the episode. Uh, yeah, it's the Lepidus. First crack in him to realise, like, there's more to this job than just being like, yeah. do this, do that. There's kind of, you've got... A... He's just down, he's looked down on Evans as just this schmoozy, smooth-talking arsehole who's got away with stuff, mm-hmm. just being that. And, yeah, Lapidus is coming. This is the first time he realises that maybe there is more to it yes. than just winging it, like he thinks Bob does. Yeah. So then we move to probably one of the, the key scenes in... In, in this is when um, Al Ruddy lets himself into Evans's house. He sees an open window and a chance to get to speak to him. And Bob Evans is pissed up, 
sat on the floor watching the odd couple in his pants. Watching the odd couple, I Um, let's be honest here, Will. We we've both been there, right? Just yeah, I mean, I know I've watching I, films with the curtains drawn. Have you have you been there? Any opportunity, mate? <laughs> so. But yeah, I, part of me was like, oh, that's so sad for Bob in his own screening room, on his own, with all that booze, smoking inside. <laughs> uh, poor Bob. But yeah, no, nah, it is sad. I mean, yeah, we've all, we've all been there. Just shut yourself off from the world and just, you know, want to just stick a film on. The Odd Couple, it's a good choice. It's a but, good choice. But I love the fact that he's, he's like, there's something up with his screen, right? There's kind of like a rip in it or something. And it yeah, it's a rip because he's definitely thrown something in it. Yeah. I think that's basically what we're... He's probably watched an, an Ali McGraw film. He's pretty much Love Story and just gone like... Oh, 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 yeah, or something with Steve McQueen in it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's watched The Great Escape. Yeah. He watched The Great Escape. Yes. Well, fuck, yeah. fuck that Wang the bo- yeah, <laughs> I wanged a bottle of Jack Daniels there. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's he's in a bit of a mess, is he? His Bob, and they they discuss like what the fuck is going on, and um, he's kind of open about why he's kind of like upset, and it is like it's not all this external stuff about the film and stuff like that. He's honest with Al about what's really going on and it is Ali and yeah they have this exchange what happened with Ali she's gone and I can't get her back yes you can it's never too late but you got to get your shit together interesting yeah I never thought of that get my shit together huh peace cake only it won't take back my wife fucking Steve McQueen Despite the kind of like sadness in it, what a line delivery! It's the, the Matthew Good like white like, and it's discussed in my conversation with Dan Fogler. He 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 like hats off to the guy who was really open and honest about the kind of critical reception to this show and kind of said like, regardless of what critics think, like the fact that Matthew Good wasn't nominated, like the Emmys, is kind of a crime, and I think. And I think something fascinating about that in regards to it seems to be if a show isn't like critically just praised across the board that good performances can't be and I think it's something weird with kind of awards anyway is like why can't good performances be awarded for good performances even if like there is problems with a film or show in general because this performance regardless of what you think of the show is a stellar performance yeah i mean it, you exactly like you said you see it in films the way it, it can work the other way so you can have yeah you can have bad films reasonable films with great performances mm-hmm. that don't get nominated and then you'll get a good performance in a crap film, if it gets looked at, the performance can carry it. It's yeah, it's a weird one with so like like 
Yeah. So Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. It's a good performance in a, in my opinion, not a very good film. So, but that works. But yeah, for some reason, especially in TV, you have, yeah, you have amazing performances. Like it's, it to me, it's madness that he, there's been no award buzz around him because it's not a one dimensional silly character. He's, there's some, he proper does some heavy lifting in it sometimes. And yeah, and again, to, to draw back to the, like Dan Fogler discussed it. He said there were times on set, like being in scenes from Matthew Good, where he kind of like had slight, like kind of out of body experiences where it's like, I can kind of see my hands. It's like, I almost feel like I am Coppola in these situations. I am there with yeah. Robert Evans. Like, do you know what I mean? Cause like yeah, yeah. Matthew Good would be there kind of going off on one. It's like, I feel like I'm watching the actual Bob Evans right now. And it, I think, mm. I think that is the thing. Like Matthew Good slips away. Like I'm like, the, the, I feel well, yeah, like, uh, like the cadence of his speech and everything, the way he talks. I mean, he, he's properly great. I mean, it's such a wanky term, a transformative performance and that, but he is, he's absolutely nailing it. But it also, he's not doing an impression because mm-hmm. that's easily done. I don't think it. I don't think anyone. Well, none of the the, the main guys fall into that in this show. But I don't think anyone's doing an impression of them unless it's like sometimes it's called them because they're insert little enough, little. You know what I mean? Like Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. They're kind of doing an impression of them, mm-hmm. but no one's. So Puzo, Coppola, um, Evans. Yeah, they're not just, they are doing a performance. Like Coppola, um, Fogler's brilliant in it because he could quite easily, they played him off as a bit bumbling. Say with Puzo, they played him off a bit bumbling at the beginning, but he has changed and he does have, especially in earlier episodes, Dan Fogler had these moments where you did see a different side of Coppola where he got a bit angry and a bit, so nobody's, yeah, I, I may, yeah, the critical reception hasn't helped it, but I'm surprised there hasn't been more, well, no, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed there's been not been more chatter about awards with quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Matthew Good is like, and that's not mm. to dis- besmirch anyone else. Like, I, think, I think there's some great no. kind of performances. Like, I think. Juno Temple's Juno brilliant, Temple, isn't it? Is kind of like, yeah. That's who, said many times she's kind of like a she's a real stand you know the Juno the Juno Temple fan club yeah Juno you know, Temple yeah, Appreciation but, Society yeah so but yeah like Juno Temple yeah, there's not out of the your key players who appear in every episode there's n- there's not a bad performance in it there's not a bad performance in it anyway but I mean out of that lot I think it had the reception been different and maybe if people had just taken the show for what it was rather than what they wanted it to be, I think there would have been more buzz about it. Yes. Yes, 100%. Um, so what do you make of this kind of like, well, actually, I've, I've, I've got another clip to play from this kind of scene because, and that, then we'll kind of, yeah, then we'll kind of dissect the, the feelings and the emotion in this scene. Power, prestige. Perfect girl, Amara. 
I fell in love with it all. Particularly the girl, you know? Uh, I can't... I can't fucking do it without her, all right? Bob, think about all the films that you've done. That's who you are, with or without it. Not if it's fucking real! Not if it! Oh, yes it is, or at least it fucking better be, because we've sacrificed too much for it not to mean anything. And as much as I'd like to think that if either one of us had the opportunity to go back, that we'd do anything fucking different, I know that we wouldn't. With guys like us, there comes a point where there is no separation between who we are and what we do. And this, this is who we are. Ow. I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if it's worth it anymore, man. I, I really, I really don't, you know. It has to be. So what do you make of this scene in general? Because obviously this is kind of like the heart of this like episode and there's this is kind of where we get the kind of titular line, right? That like this is like this is who we are. Like that they is, like yeah. It, yeah, like they can't do anything else. They are they are producers, they are filmmakers. Yeah, I mean maybe it's down to um, maybe it's down to the performance of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, but I did find it quite moving. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I did. And I think it's a great scene because it, it properly cuts through the, um, like we're so used to seeing Bob Evans bravado and his, uh, his, even when he's had these moments of levity and stuff, when he's done these monologues, when he's quite serious, he's always got that raised eyebrow and the, the barb stuff. But this is the first time you've seen him where he genuinely looks and he does that speech where he, he properly looks broken. Well, he's, a, he's a man in a mess. There's a, there, 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 there's, a, there's a refrain he keeps coming back to where it's like, it's all pretend. And he kind of like points it yeah. out. And he's like, pencil pusher. And he like, to himself, he's like, shitty actor who became the king of Hollywood. And it's just this thing of like a man so broken and disillusioned with everything he's been doing. And it's like, I don't know, man. I've, like, it is that thing. It's no matter what you do in your life, like work wise, we all, I think, I think it's a relatable scene as well. And it, it kind of goes to the testament of like how, I don't know, I don't know, other people may be different, but like, uh, <laughs> heartbreaks in my life have like knocked me for fucking six in the past and stuff like that and like i really i really felt it and it's like especially when you feel like something could be forever do you know what i mean it's like ah like yeah. I, I, yeah I totally totally empathized and kind of like really felt this scene yeah, it's exactly how i felt after watching jurassic park dominion i was <laughs> No, but yeah, no, it it is a it, 
yeah, because we've all, whether it's minor things or everyone's had that that heartbreak or that thing that you've thought you'd cracked and it's crumbles the onto shit. shit. Yeah, and it's it hurts, man, you know? And that but that's that's why it's relatable. We're not all Bob Evans, but we can all relate to feeling like shit. Yeah, and I think the real kicker in this as well is like uh, the scene is left on kind of like a hopeless note because yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Bob just goes back like he kind of cuts off Al and like just puts puts the odd couple rolls up off. in his little fetal position. Yeah, he's like um, fat cigarette in one hand. It's quite sad, mate. It's just that aspect of like. Yeah, he cuts him off and be like, well, I'm just going to carry on wallowing, right? I'm like, I'm yeah. going to do exactly what I was doing when you walked in this room. You haven't changed my opinion whatsoever. Um, <laughs> what I find funny is, like, some, sometimes, like, the, the, the whiplash nature of this show is we go from that scene, right, and obviously Al, like, dealing with Evans in this state to a to a moment of yeah him in a him in a board meeting with Coppola and like Peter Bart and Barry and like some of the marketing executives discussing what the poster will be for the Godfather and what do you like what what are your opinions of the posters we see that Barry Barry proposes I mean, they're shite, aren't they? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, they're shite. I mean, I, I'm i not sure. Like, they are ridiculously shite. They like, get um, straight to DVD shite. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're quite similar to... Listeners don't know about this, but I, I, during the week, I sent Will a... Uh, <laughs> A poster for a film called Crazy Joe, which stars Peter. Did, yeah. Peter, uh, Pete, I don't know, what's his name? Plays the dad in uh, Everyone Loves Raymond. What's his name? Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. Peter as, Boyle. As Joe Colombo. And it kind of like, it's like that kind of poster, like a real. Yeah, just a guy with a like, yeah, a guy with a gun. Yeah, a guy with a gun. And Peter Boyle is Crazy Joe. Yeah, and you've got um, they because they pitch in this one, don't they? It's the tagline is take the it? cannoli. Take the cannoli is one, and then the other one is the, the the guys in a row, and it's murder, mafia, murder, mayhem. Murder family, or, yeah, murder. Murder, mayhem, mafia. Yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. And it's like, yeah. Well, they're not just in a line, are they? They're in a V. They're in like the... In a V. Yeah, in a V. So, yeah, there's the one in the V, and then there's the (laughs) take the cannoli. Because he's got... um, Because it's the the dawn with the cat. And they say, well, this shows shows his softer side. Why? Because he's got a cat. Yeah. And Coppola's like... Oh, it's yeah, it's a floating line. horse's head yeah. and a cat on one side and him in the middle, yeah. And then Coppola's like, oh, take the cannoli. Why is that? Because he's got a fucking sweet tooth. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it, yeah. This is it. Again, this is, I mean, it's probably it's a bullshit, but it's a funny scene. 
yeah, yeah. This did make me chuckle. And then it it transpires to uh, Al Ruddy kind of coming in with a suggestion of what the poster should be. Well, I think the approach is just a little off, okay? Our film is about power. Who holds the strings and manipulates everything? That is why I think we should use the cover of the book as the poster. Agreed. No one's going to know what that is. People are going to think it's a Nazi movie or something. Nazi? That's not a fucking swastika, Barry. Those are marionette strings. I know that, Ruddy. Look, these guys have worked on hundreds of movies, all right? They know what they're doing. So you make the movie and let the adults figure out the poster, okay? Top-notch work, guys. Thank you. I think that's such a cutting line from Barry where he says, let the adults figure out. The adults, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a real, like, it really paints his impression of of kind of filmmakers and creatives right of this thing of like mm. you're just all fucking idiots unless miles teller like i don't know what it is. maybe it is the line itself but the delivery of like <laughs> that's not, not a fucking swat sticker barry <laughs> i flip with with miles teller in this i flip between he's just going it's just oh, he's all right to be in he's really fucking good at this because mm-hmm. he's incredibly watchable yeah like he he is really watchable in this because he is the, the you know he's the star of the show and yeah i mean again because it's from the point of ruddy and ruddy does manage to sneakily way get sneakily like take credit for the, most of the great decisions in the godfather yes <laughs> he's like he sneakily the poster was him he got him to sicily he got him to so he has kind of gone yeah you know i'm the guy behind the godfather really yeah yeah i guess it was when yeah it was like watching this when he i thought oh yeah he's kind of like sneakily said that it was his idea to have the poster like that and then when you think back you go hang on he's 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 stealth taking well he's stealth taking credit for a lot of things that made the godfather great well i think like i think that would be a like a producer would kind of make that call like because i think yeah. but i think i think what this scene is trying to depict is that like Maybe sometimes, like the creatives, should have some input. To it. And we'll get to we'll get to a kind of yeah. key scene that, that really gets into that. But their their argument escalates from the poster to the cut of the movie, and the, the, yeah, they discuss this. You want me to hear these guys out? Why? Because they're so good at delivering. That's an interesting thought because the only thing that they've delivered is a movie that's 45 minutes too long. Yeah, well, Evans hasn't given his notes yet. So what? You shouldn't have seen it yet. Well, I have seen it, and I can't unsee it. So welcome to Hollywood, Francis. I didn't realize you were new to this. This movie cannot be longer than two hours. Did you even like it? It was a little slow for my taste. I mean, that whole Sicily thing, why? It's Michael's tipping point. He understands that his life can no longer be uncomplicated. Well, it's a waste. Cut it. No, it's important for the storytelling. You want to know what's important for the storytelling? Maximum plays per screen. 
A normal two-hour movie can run five showings in a day, but your masterpiece can only run three or four because it's too long. Now that is 20% less box office. And money, gentlemen, whether you care to admit it or not, it's important. Because otherwise, movies don't get made. Well, it doesn't matter if the movie's not any good because nobody's gonna be in the fucking theater for right. the maximum plays per day. Right. Who All gives right. a shit? Right. Is, is there a compromise to be had here? Yes, there is. Cut 30 minutes. It's not an option. What is kind of crazy about this as well is, like, you've got to put this into context that this was a time when we weren't living in multiplex culture where a film... Do you know what I mean? A three-hour Marvel film comes out and it's playing in 13 of the 15 screens at your multiplex. Like, this was, like, the time when there were, I don't know, X amounts of prints of the film in circulation and it would have, do you know what I mean, kind of done the yeah, tour yeah. of the country. So, like... Well, the multiplex thing is fairly recent you know in the grand scheme of things recent phenomena like it, even when when i was a lad even when, but there wasn't huge amounts well, of you know these screens, huge yeah. numbers of yeah two screens because i remember we had two cinemas on the main street in cardiff and that's where we used to go in queen street and people were fucking queuing down the street to get into a, the one screen and if you didn't get in for one you'd get into the next like it was so yeah, is is it? It's mad now. You think, well, I've got two cinemas in Worcester, and one's got five screens. One's got, I think, it's eleven screens. I mean, they spend most of those screens saying this, showing the same films. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you say, the thought of a three-hour film only, and not on the other that that would be what's what's on is mad. Well, and it's that thing as well that we've, like, the, I don't know, things have kind of flipped as well, that, like, the screens in cinemas are taken up by, like, populist films and kind of the interest. Mm. Like, I find it, like, yeah, like, where I live, we have a cine world that's got 15 screens and it's hard pushed a lot of the time that we get, like, some of the, do you know what I mean? Like, the artier films and the oh, independent films shown at all and it's kind of favored towards like blockbusters and stuff like that and i think some of that comes down to the fact that yeah we've got a cine world in crawley and it's like they own picture house so they're like oh we'll just put the arty stuff in picture house it's like yeah but we don't have a picture house within 25 miles of crawley <laughs> well yeah and like so i went so we were talking about earlier, but I went to, so I went to Fright Fest and it's the first time I've gone. And I would say 90% of those films that I saw, there is no chance in a million years I would have seen them in the cinema. And some of the, even the, the reasonably bigger films, there's no way they're mm -hmm. going to appear in Worcester or anywhere close. So yeah, because I've got 13 screens of in whatever's on. But yeah, it's mad because like, yeah, so the thought of seeing, yeah, you know, we don't get any of the arty stuff in Worcester because it's just no call for it. So we have 11 screens of, oh, I don't know, whatever the big film is of the time. 
yeah. end game. You know what I mean? Which, yeah. But yeah, I don't, yeah. Which is crazy as well in the fact that they're worrying about the length three-hour film where, like, you're hard-pressed to see a film these days that is sub at two hours 20. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, nah, it's no way. So, can't take credit for this. It's, it was Russell off uh, from Not Just For Kids who has come to the decision that a film should either be 90 minutes or under or three hours yeah. and over. No middle ground. Because... <laughs> It kind of makes sense because if it's fucking 90 minutes, then it's 90 minutes. It doesn't need to be any longer unless you're going to go, it needs to be three hours like the Godfather. So, yeah, but yeah, you don't see even a kid's film now, you really 90 minutes. Like I've gone to push that problem with the kids sometimes. I think, fuck me, this is two hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. But I, but I why? A, I had a real quandary with my son. Like I, I was going to take him to the cinema to see a DC League of Super Pets, and I was like, looked at the runtime. I was like, oh, it's like an hour and fifty minutes. I was like, will he like, like will he appreciate? Like, he's a, do you know what I mean? He's like nearly four years old, but will he like, will he like that for that long? Do you know what I mean? Because like his first yeah. cinema trip was Minions: Rise of Gru, and it's like. An hour and twenty seven minutes. It's like that feels like a perfect kids' film. Right? <laughs> In fact, yeah, it's nuts. and the fact that you took uh, your boy to see um, Super Pet was used against me this week. In fact, because I mentioned it in the week, I said to my boy, I was like, "We're talking." I said, "Yeah, I said um, Petros took his uh, little boy to see Super Pets, and yeah, he said it was really good. So we'll watch it. It's popped up on Sky Store." I said, oh, it's fifteen ninety nine, And my son said to me, well, Petros took his son. <laughs> so I now have to pay fifteen ninety nine for Super Pets. I'm sorry. I've got to caveat that by saying that uh, I took my son for the low, low price of 70p. You did. I, I, I was going to explain the economics of why you took it to your son, but I thought, nah, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just take the hit. And, yeah. So, looks like I'm buying Super Pets. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's ne- fine. Ne- ne- never met. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I feel like I'll be a god in your house. If... Yeah. Oh, here he is. Yeah. The great dad. Petros Ratzelimus. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, yeah. You don't even take me to see Super Pets. Oh, hi. So Francis goes back to the editing bay, and we get kind of like down a moment from him when, like, because obviously he's there to make a studio mandated cut of the film, and the editor's like sitting there and like so saying like, "Well, is it good? Like, what do you want me to do?" And I, I found it heartbreaking where he's like, "Yeah." Do whatever you want. They've ru- they're ruining my picture, and it's like, ah, oh, Francis. Oh. I mean, you want to reach through the screen and give him a bloody hug? Yeah, come on, mate. Where's the Francis we know? But yeah, because he's again. I think this is an episode of people being a bit broken and downtrodden by yeah. like the system and stuff. Because even like Francis is struggling with his cut and what they're doing to his picture. 
Bob's obviously in a bit of a pickle. Peter, um, Peter Part is struggling with his role in this whole scenario with artists versus commerce. So, yeah, there's a lot of people struggling with their place in the industry. And even Charlie, even Charlie has that moment where he's disappointed in Bob because he backed Bob and Bob's let him down. So it is a, well, we are who we are. Do you know what I mean? That's the crux of it. Is that all? There's a lot of them struggling with their issues in the industry. Yeah, and that 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 perfectly leads us on actually to to the next scene, and it is a, it is a Peter and Barry scene. And I think like this is again quite a poignant scene, and Peter tries to discuss with Barry like what it actually like what bob evans actually does as a producer and he's like you might see it as like pomp and circumstance of him like he's schmoozing people and stuff like that but he's like what what it really takes to be a producer is yeah you've got to bend to the wills of the creatives and it's like sometimes when making a poster and stuff like that you you draw upon the creative's inspiration and their their love for it and that can that can inspire the art basically. Barry's like, yeah, Barry's not non-responsive to it, right? He's kind of like, I don't want yeah, to hear just, it. It's just like doesn't care. He he, he it's he's non-responsive. Doesn't care, or he genuinely doesn't get it at this point. I think it's the latter. I think he doesn't get it. And it's yeah, like, he just doesn't get it. He it doesn't doesn't compute with him it's just not how his brain functions he just doesn't understand and which yeah because he he kind of flips out at peter and there's like a real kicker of a line as peter like exits the room and he says like i wasn't criticizing you barry i was trying to help and it's like that yeah it's a great line delivery there as well yeah he does it really well because it's proper like a Mate, you know, I don't know I what wasn't... else I can do. Like, it's a, like, yeah, you, like... I've, I've done, I've, I've tried to help you, and you know, what can you do? Yeah, because I think he says to him before that, like, oh, oh, yeah, he might say to him afterwards, he's like, like, no matter what goes down, Peter, like, you're a real asset to this company. And I think mm. he says it to him before, like, yeah, yeah, to this company. He says, and yeah. I think, I think, I think it's a moment where Barry's realizing that he's kind of not skating on thin ice in regards to like losing his job, but like whether he can actually do this, he's really yeah, like, I think like, that's... in turmoil of like, is the, am I cut out for this? Like, yeah, I think he's realized that maybe, although this is what he, he wants to be Mr. Big guy, but maybe he's, and that, I suppose that's his, like we said earlier, it's a, a lot of, people's struggles with stuff like as an artist francis struggling with his movie being taken away from him i suppose barry like lapidus is struggling this is he wants to be the big man but he's maybe he's just not cut out to be yeah he's just not cut out to be that guy when it comes to the crunchy not that guy and that's quite sad in itself he's a dickhead but you can empathize with him where you go, well, mate, you know, 
sometimes we're just not allowed to be there. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of see it when, once Peter leaves the room and he kind of, he's looking around at all of like yeah. the, the, the paraphernalia that Bob Evans has in his room, all these photos and posters of like him with people and like the films he's produced and stuff like that. And it's like, I think you you see it on his face, and there's like again like a nice like kicker to the end of the scene as he as he yeah. leaves the office, and Sheila says like goodbye, Mister Evans, and like it does a real it does a real like good he, trick of like making you empathise with Barry. Whereas, well, yeah, it's the first time that I mean, again, it's not subtle in this show, and this episode is built to it, but like. It's the first time he has, he's the one character in the whole series where we have had any moment of humanity, any moment of he's done anything where you've gone, oh, he's all right. Mm-hmm. He's been a knobhead yeah. the entire <laughs> time. That's been yeah, his yeah. purpose, is to turn up and be a dick. So this is the first time where you kind of go, and it is played well, I thought it worked really well, because you do go, oh, yeah, mate. He's just fucking having a bit of a man, aren't you? Yeah. You know, he... Yeah. And credit to... Um, Colin, Colin Hanks. Yeah. Because he's smashed it, in fairness. Because, like, for this to work, this this episode to work where we've, we do empathise with him, you have to think he's an ass, And you absolutely do. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like... And what like what a kind of rug pull to like build up mm. that thing of him being an arsehole to him kind of like for us for for an audience to empathise with him. It's like oh that's that's oh, a yeah, real magic because... trick in like writing and like directing and performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's at uh, we probably haven't said enough how good he is actually. So we've talked about he is consistently good at this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he plays it really well. And it's not until this, he's played this so dickish and horrible. It's this moment where, especially in the bit where she says, good night, Mr. Evans, there's a genuine look of, oh, like I'm just sigh, not like a, yeah, like Bob a, Evans. Like a visible yeah. sigh. Like, no matter, even if I did get Bob Evans' job, I'm not, I'm not Bob Evans. Yeah, it's like that, the shoulders go down, and it's like, yeah, oh. and uh, you, got, you got, yeah, like Colin Hanks, like he's a chip off the old block, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's some good stock, you could say. He's like, got some, yeah, he's the, he's, yeah, he's got. I mean, again, it's like I haven't seen him in much. <clears throat> no, I haven't seen him in much. I mean, he's been in the odd things, but. I think it's going over all ground, but his performance is good. And this episode, you can see there's, you know, the Emmy clips, and this this is a perfect example of like how good he is in this the, the wind down of this episode. So, um, Colin Hanks is in like one of my favourite films from being a teenager, Orange County. I'm Orange sure. County. I, I absolutely love it. Like. Belter, and he was really great in a <laughs> show called like Pieces of Us, I believe it's called. It was okay. like an Amazon TV show that was kind of 
about a family and like kind of was told like every episode was like almost like an anthology of like different members of this extended family and he was he was really great in that as well and i think like yeah uh <laughs> there is that fascinating thing that it's uh what is it like predestined determinism of like names it's like between him and his brother it's like you call a kid colin you get a colin you call a kid chet and you get a chet right like it's like yeah. how different it's like it's yeah it's like colin hanks that- is like do you know what i mean like i don't know yeah you can tell he's tom hanks's son whereas chet hanks is yeah like, who the fuck is this guy I always forget that Chet Hanks exists until I'm reminded by something on Twitter or something. And I go, oh, fuck, yeah. That's, yeah, he's a thing. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, they're very different people. But, yeah, Colin Hanks is it's great in this. He is, especially in this episode. He's This show does that well where people get their, their moments to shine. Yes. Like Temple, Juno Temple's at it. Um, Puzo, um, yeah, Dan Frogel has had it, and then they've all had their those initial Puzo and popular um chats gave those two that showed off how great they are. And that, yeah, so they all had their moments. I mean, Miles Teller's had a lot of moments because he's Mr. Monologue sometimes, but yeah, so this is Hanks's episode. Yeah, even our boy Giovanni Rabisi has had like his, his money. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> fuck that guy. I miss, I, I miss him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I brought up his name just so I could do a fuck that guy. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Fuck but, that guy. Uh, <laughs> so Charlie comes to see Ruddy to tell him that Evans is done. And again, yeah. Ruddy tries to fight for him. Um, yeah, and it's it's kind of like we're in Last Chance Saloon, and then we cut to Barry dictating basically to the room full of people, like this is what the poster is gonna be, and says like the new cut, like the the two hour cut is a lot better. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lot happier with it, and one of the big guns is old Barry. Yeah, they have. Uh, well, yeah, they have this exchange, and it's interrupted by a certain someone. Charlie, you really should consider the longer cut. It is better. For who? Hmm? Your ego? I thought I explained the business to you already. The audience doesn't care about our business, Barry. Bob! How's the back? Getting there. Thanks for asking. Flying V. Can't use this. You, you can't just show up here whenever you want and just blow apart everything we're working I'm on. I'm not blowing anything up, Barry. It simply does not represent the film. It doesn't create mystery or intrigue. That's your opinion, Bob. You dare right it is. But it's also based on market research as well. Our testing has shown that audiences are turned off by busy key art. They particularly don't like 
the V. It doesn't allow them to connect to anything. Look, the Godfather is so more complex than any other book in history, except for the Bible. Now, we're trying to take the audience for a peek inside the secret of subculture they're not normally privy to. We should be using the key art from the book. It creates mystery. What about the cut? I'm glad you asked, because as far as I remember, we hired Francis to make us a movie. And the shorter version of this film is it's a, it's a trailer. It's a teaser. It's, a, it's an insult. It is defeat waiting to be pulled from the jaws of victory. And Francis, frankly, you cut. Gorgeous. Sublime. Perfect. Bob, you know as well as I do that one, it's going to reduce the number of screenings per day, and two, no one wants to sit in a theater that long for a gangster movie. Yeah, I do know that, but this is not a typical gangster movie. It never was, and we're not offering the audience a transaction. We're offering them an experience. Look, we need to evolve with the population. We need to lead the revolution or it will pass us by. Charlie. Barry. You never wanted to make Rosemary's Baby you or a Love Story. You didn't want to make The Godfather. These, these movies, they break all the rules. They're not formulaic, because it's part of why they work. But look, we can't chase after what we think an audience wants to see. We got to show the audience what it needs to see. How did you get the cuts, Bob? Huh? Booby, please. Let me I think about it. Love that speech. Everybody and out. Again, it's the Barry it's the soundtrack doing some heavy lifting with giving yeah. us like that kind of broken down version of the theme music with that kind of guitar stuff like that. But what a what a ah, kind of, lovely what a return from from Bobby Evans. There, it's an absolute. It's a tour de force. Like that. That is that is your kind of like Emmys. Here's your guy, kind of that, and there's a speech well, yeah. in, a, in an earlier episode when he approaches the board. That speech as well, like yeah, Matthew Good is yeah, and I mean belters. That, that speech. Yeah, he's had some, he's just some cracking lines, at some belted speeches, and I think that is testament to his performance as well. Where, especially, not so much this speech, but that speech you mentioned. I mean, it was pretty like on the nose, and you go. But it says my performance that it works rather than you go, oh, fuck it now, that's a bit. Because there's not, I haven't had a moment with Bob Evans, and he is missed. He bangs out some monologues, he bangs out some really expositionally speeches, but I haven't had a moment I've gone, oh, fucking hell, here he goes again. <laughs> he nails it every time. Because I'm not going to lie, when, when Bob was back, when I heard his voice, it's great in me. I was like, Bob's yeah, yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of knew it was going to happen, right? Did you, what yeah. were your expectations? Did you think, like, were you kind of expecting him to turn back up at any point? Like, I was half expecting it to be some kind of, like, he was going to walk into a screening or something. He was definitely going to walk back in, suit, the glasses, cigarette in hand. I just wasn't sure. When, I, I figured it would be just as Barry was saying about the cut in a screening room or something, he'd be at the back. Well, that's the cut, you know, but perfect, mate. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Yeah, it's, it's great, and especially Charlie being there as well. It's kind of like yeah. Barry in his place and kind of sets up some kind of dominoes that fall later on in the episode. And I love, I love when they exit the meeting and, like, 
Bob Evans like says to Francis, he's like, Oh yeah, what what one thing about the cut? He's like, the music in the in the horse's head scene. Like, it's a bit ominous yeah. too quickly. Like he's still got his notes. I love that. I love still that. Got notes. Like, Yeah. I love I, I, lo- I, I love think, I think what's quite nice about that as well is Francis just says, is just that one note? It's like, yeah. Because I think, again, it's a bit of everyone's happy to see Bob back. And Francis is quite happy to take that note off Bob Evans. He's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll look at it. And I think that is. I'm not sure if there's like that. Well, you'll find out as you read Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli. There is a section where they go into the music of of that scene and like i think they kind of figured out something in post like they kind of had to manipulate the music a bit to kind of yeah make it a bit more like build up a bit like as mm. opposed to yeah being, being being as it was so yeah there is a sliver of truth to that um so charlie yeah because he says like everyone leave apart from barry and they discuss Bob's job. And Barry gives a speech how he dislikes Bob, but he thinks he should help Paramount. Like, he he probably is the right guy for the job. Um, and he has this great kind of, like, closing line to him where he's like, never hate your enemies. It's not personal. It's just business. Business, yeah. And it's like his kind of, his code almost comes to bite him in the ass right when he realizes that like yeah. there's more to business than like money and like do you know what I mean like the numbers of it all there's like there is a creative element to it and it's I don't know do you do you, do you feel like the kind of not redemptive arc of Barry but like yeah it kind of feels like it's this he goes for an arc Throughout this episode, it's not like a kind of series long arc where he goes from being a, a yeah, shithill to a to, to somewhat of a good guy. Do, do you know what I mean to making the right decision, or do you think this is a long time coming? Um, it works for me because of the the way this show is. Do you mean like I I don't mind that the, the dickheads as a bit of a redemption because it's not. So one thing this is not is a mean there's no mean it's not a mean spirited show. Mm-hmm. Nobody's outright a fucking arsehole and no one there's not left even the even the mafia stuff is quite light in tone often. It, it's not there's and I think it would have been a shame, really, I guess, in the, the context of the show if and the way the show is if Lapidus had just been left as a pencil pushing dickhead. I think I think we'll probably find that everyone has their nice moments. Like Bluehorn's had his moment, but he, he is a knob, but he's got a human side to him. Bob Evans has got a human side to him. Ruddy's done this, really. Even your mafia guys have had their it's not complete darkness. They've done their yeah. their nice things. Like Caesar's got a nice side to him and and maybe that's like we've said before, maybe that's why it's frowned upon a little bit. Well, critically, if, because it is, but 
everyone's painting yeah, I think it's... shades of grey, right? As opposed to like black and yeah. white. Like I don't know, like Yeah. And like or I even don't see if... there's anything wrong sometimes with it things just being all right. Yeah. I mean that's what it is. It's yeah, a fun yeah. show and like yeah, the dickhead's a dickhead, but he's all right. You know? He's an all right guy. He just deals with it wrong. I don't think yeah, like I said, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah. But uh, Barry's an interesting one. I think he's definitely like, yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see where his character, like what his character's role is in that final episode as well, because, yeah. Well, yeah, unless he, well, I don't know. We'll see. Unless that's him done, that's his R. Yeah, so, um. Charlie goes to see Bob and asks him, how can I trust you? Bob kind of says to him, like, well, all you can take from me is my word. He basically, like, and this discussion is about whether Bob is going to keep his job. And what, 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 yeah. what, is, what is the outcome of their discussion, Will? Bob's back. Bob's back. Well, he's back. And, we and back. Yeah, because Charlie says, don't make me regret it. And there's that interesting thing where, like, you get that moment where Charlie's, like, saying, I really like films about history and the fact that we get to rewrite mm. history and stuff like that. And he's like, that might be wrong. But there's, like, and he's like, you've got a chance now to rewrite your history. And mm. there, there's a, there's a, there's a brilliant thing where, like, he kind of asks him, like, would you change things from the past? And it's something, like, I forgot to mention, like, with the Al Ruddy conversation, is like, he kind of says to him, like, we we do what we do, but we wouldn't change anything. We are, like, we are who we are. And it's like, it kind of gets brought back up. And, like, Al Ruddy doesn't ask him the question, but kind of pose it to him. And he's like, nah, like, I wouldn't change, like, I, I, I would change things if I could. And it's like, in this moment, it's like, Bob Evans comes to that realization that, nah. The relationship with Ali has failed, but I am who I am. Like I, I need to do what and I need that, to do. In that scene, Ruddy does mention Francois. Yes. Just to remind us, she does exist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Remember her? She was in for a bit. But, yeah, it's quite a... I suppose, I don't know, but we're building up to the, the last episode. is going to be cheery, cheery, happy premiere bit of fun but this it's quite a somber tone to this episode yeah yeah and um and like the, the conversations are very somber and philosophical i like i like charlie's closing line to, to bob evans in that in that discussion uh because he tells him how like basically barry gave him the second chance as well when he yeah. closes it out by saying now go make me some fucking money Money, yeah, <laughs> like as everything, it draws back to that moment. So, um, it may be the same day, I have no idea. Same day, next day, Bob Evans goes to see Al Ruddy to tell him some good news about the film. Guess what? We're going with a longer cut. Oh, thank God, that's great news. Oh, you think so? You said you liked the longer cut. I meant it. 
I meant it, but don't think for a second that if this thing flops financially, you and I won't end up being chained to a rock with Pluto pecking at our livers every day. Lupita's was a rock. There were huge risks to doing it the way we do it. I know, I know. Less screenings a day. Uh, that's a very big deal. And even more than that, with a longer cut, there's no way we're ready for Christmas, which is the best time to release this movie. And uh, even a month later, audience attendances dropped like a fucking brick. Oh, come on. We got lightning in a bottle here. Well, if that bottle's in your pocket, be careful you don't fry your bowls with it. Look, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Amen. And I, I, I like this scene on the way out that Bob Evans says to him, he says thanks to, to Ruddy, and R Ruddy gets to say, anytime, booby. And it, it's like that great moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you get to use his, get to use his word against him. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of want to, I want to integrate that into my lexicon. Yeah, you know I mean, I want to start calling people Bubby. I'm not sure if like Bubby. Yeah. Not sure if I can get away with it, Bubby. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can, but like you got to try it at least. Uh, I'm gonna try it. Yeah, try it. To I'll, see if I'll it try works. it. I'll try it tomorrow in work. <laughs> see how that goes down. Oh, amazing! Yeah. You have to. You have to. I'll just say to say to my other chef, uh, "Can I have a poached egg, please, Bubby?" <laughs> what? What, mate? Yeah. See. Yeah. So, yeah. Please report back to us next week. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe we'll both yeah. we'll both try it out in the in the mm. next week. I'll try it out at work as well. I work in a school, yeah. so let's see how that goes down. If I call someone Bubby, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try it out <laughs> and report <laughs> back next week to see how it goes. Um. So Bob goes out for dinner that night, and again you get this really nice moment between him and Barry. Where it's like he sees Peter Bart at the table, but like he sees mm. Barry sitting on his own, and I love that exchange they have where there's something poignant about the line that Bob Evans says to Barry, where he says like, "They don't do salmon here, but for us, they'll make it." And it's like yeah. I don't know what it is about that line. I just I particularly like really enjoyed it. It's like. Yeah, I liked it. Not sure I got it, but yeah. No, I said just said, yeah. I think it's, I think it's that thing of like, I don't know. Like we may have our differences or whatever, but like we're both still important. Do you know what I mean? We might not mm -hmm. like. We might, yeah. You might not be right for the role. You might not be right for my job, and it's that kind of mutual understanding of who they are as people, and it's like. You're still a big, you know what I mean? You're still somebody, Barry. It's kind of reassuring yeah. him that they'll still make it for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just me. Like, that, 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 they'll, yeah. they'll, that, they'll get a salmon for you as well. And it's like, you're, yeah, you've got some worth. It's kind of reassuring him that, like, yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, <laughs> so, Ruddy pops to see Betty with a favour and um, Betty's been having a meeting with the cigarette ad guy and I particularly love Ruddy's like comments about him like what did, did, did that stick out to you or is that just me yeah yeah right I was gonna is the cigarette guy oh am I supposed to know who that is I have no idea who that is, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I thought I'd missed something, because I was like, because the 
the way Ruddy then goes, wow, he's like, that guy is devastatingly handsome or something like that. I thought, oh, am I supposed to think that was, oh, it was supposed to be someone? Yeah. Well, I thought, was it, you know, like, I don't know. I can't think of an actor at the time, but I figured, oh, it's a guy who did cigarette ads and then become, I, I thought I missed something, but that's all right then. No, but I, I just love what he's like, wow, that guy's fucking yeah. handsome. Like, he's like real like Yeah, that's what, that's why I thought it was a reference to something, but obviously not. I just thought he was very handsome, which is fine. Yeah. I just, I, I figured it was one of those in jokes that it was a, someone we were supposed to know. No, no, no. I don't know who. Okay. So what, I didn't is, miss it. what is the favor that, that Ruddy has of Betty? Like, what, 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 what has he gone there to ask her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He wants to ask her a favor and she says, is it going to get me fired? And he says, it could probably get us both fired. <laughs> so basically, he wants Betty to acquire the prince for the Godfather. One of two She's prince. One of two. She needs to use her charm to get the, uh, yeah, one of two prints to go somewhere. From a guy called Eugene, who she kind of put, Eugene, yeah. puts the moves on, like gets the, get, yeah, gets the print, and they're heading to, they're, they're heading on a jet to New York City, and, uh, it's 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 interesting to see somebody on that private jet without doing cocaine. So I think the only times yeah. we've ever seen that jet is Bob Evans. Racking up lines and like and hanging lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A bit of Peruvian marching powder, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they've got the canisters on on deck. Betty is kind of uh, anxious about it, or she keeps looking at them. But why have they gone to New York? Will why have they taken a print of the Godfather to New York? Well, Ruddy's got a little scheme to appease um, Caesar and his associates that he's going to do a paramount, in inverted commas, have agreed to do a special screening for the Mafia guys. So that's what they're going to do. I, I think we've skipped over something slightly, and I think it is a kind of key Probably. scene in this as well, is they have a discussion on the plane about why Betty had the cigarette ad guy in her office. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. And he asked her about, like, she says, well, my next move is I think I want to be an agent. Like, yeah, what did you think of that moment? Because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, again, it's got some kind of poignancy to it, and it kind of, like, speaks yeah, to the and... of Betty's kind of, like, struggle as well. She doesn't want to be just... A woman she, who's... She, yeah, she literally says she wants to have her seat at the table, not somewhat, not one a man has given her. Which we have said that sometimes this show tries to deal with things and it does it quite clunkily. But I thought this this is the one to it did it really well because that is a again these relationships come into a thing because it's always been one of the good things this. This show was done with the Ruddy and Betty character. Is they have always been mates. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not been. It, 
I think a different show would have had some kind of we would have had oh will they won't they that kind of thing. But it's it's never been that. It's always been just two mates who meet at the bar and have a chat. And it's doesn't matter a relationship of mutual respect as well, right? Yeah, and it's always been yeah, like you say, they 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 respect each other, and there's never been any yeah any that yeah, and she's just says to it like. Ruddy knows exactly that he wouldn't be in the position he's in without Betty because Betty has done pretty much most of his job for him on occasions. And, yeah, she just literally says, I just want, I don't want to be seen as the person doing things for a man. Well, you'll be happy to know that Betty McCart actually went on to be uh, an agent and manager for people. She was Tom Selleck's manager right up until um, when she died uh, in yeah, yeah in 2013 at the age of 81. So, so like she did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but like, but yeah, good on Tom's Tom's Tom Selleck's manager. Yeah, she was. To- yeah, yeah. That was kind of a note, like one of her most notable. Co- I had a real kind of roster of like great clients, like throughout. Yeah, she was. Yeah, t- yeah. She died August sixteenth, two thousand and thirteen. Um, yeah, said at the age of eighty one, and kind of yeah had had a real like wow. roster of great talent and kind of the the mm. one that kind of was the the big one was Tom oh, Selleck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magnum PI himself. Uh so well, back, well. back to the screening in New York. Um Al mm. Ruddy sneaks through the alley because he's like every mobster in the <laughs> 30, 30 block radius is here. So you know that the FBI are up the front. So I I, I I want to come in incognito to this. Um, yeah. What do you think? What did you make of this scene? Like that the, the the mobsters watching the Godfather, like which? I mean, it's probably I don't know. Probably bollocks. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that little bit when he shouted, "If this one of them, one of the mobsters shouts, if this film's terrible, you're not getting out of here alive." <laughs> and, all, and another one shouts, "He ain't joking, buddy." And all, and but it's yeah, it was good. It's great. And then we we see the projectionist, you know, the projection come on and. I love all those scenes in the screening room, in the cinemas, when you just see the projection light come on and this over the top of them or cut into them. So the reactions, and you can hear the scenes playing out and their reactions to certain scenes. It's great. I love the moment with Lou Ferrigno where like, there's a couple of guys behind him when obviously like uh, <laughs> um, Luca Brazzi is being killed and there's a guy like grabbing him, like pretending to choke him from behind. yeah. yeah. And there's something about it that, like, yeah, it feels like a kind of, I don't know, like a kind of full stop maybe on, like, the mob aspect of this show. Like, mm. that, like that's them. I think that's it, innit? That's them done, right? 
right? Like, yeah, I think because yeah, and then we see we see them watching the film, and then we have that moment with um, straight after we have a moment with Betty and Caesar. Mm-hmm. Well, and that kind of felt like a little bit of a Lucy end to that. Yeah, because he says like, "Can we go out for a date?" and she's like. Well, maybe you're not the right guy for me, kind of thing. Like you're a bit dangerous. You seem you're a dangerous guy. Well, so you said about it being bollocks. So let 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 let, let me read this. Like this is again from whattowatch.com. Okay. You do a fact versus fiction section on their website. Um, so the fact in regards to was there a special mm. screening of The Godfather to, for the mob? The fact is, the offer pretty much nails this detail. According to the Vanity Fair story, because Paramount wasn't going to let mobsters attend the official premiere, Ruddy did sneak a print of The Godfather to New York for a private screening. Those in attendance loved the movie so much, in fact. Ruddy said that the protectionist at the screening got a tip of (laughs) $1,000. Well, I never... I mean... Again, it is ruddy said, but yeah, sounds yeah. Well, they're, they're, I, I take it back. I apologize. I it's not bollocks. Well, there there's a massive thing that this show has like uh, missed out on. Is there was a great prank pulled on Al Ruddy, and like I thought they were going to do it when he first sees the Godfather, like when Francis showed him. Some of like the the crew involved on in the film, when Al Ruddy first saw a cut of the Godfather, the famous, um, the famous speech at the beginning, uh, uh, the, the the funeral director, yeah, the who, who what's his name, um, but regardless, you know, his yeah. opening line is "I believe in America," mm. so. <laughs> When they first ever showed it to Al Roddy, sat there in the cinema, film comes on, and the first line comes out, and it's been overdubbed to, I believe in the mafia, and Al Roddy's <laughs> ass just dropped out, because obviously like that was the one thing, like in well, reality, yeah. he had promised to the mob that he would like cut out, is like th- there would be no mention of the mafia, and it's like, it felt like such a missed opportunity for this show that they yeah. didn't include that light, like that that detail of it, because that's like that's a great gag, right? Like, that's a good gag, yeah. And I thought maybe they were holding out for it for this scene, like, but uh, like, yeah, yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, it, as a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's a. How did did Ruddy like? The prank, or did Ruddy think they were mocking him, and that's why it's not in there? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because yeah, it's mentioned. I leave the gun, take the cannoli. So I think like hmm. it doesn't go into like what he thought of it, but like it's just, yeah. yeah, maybe he thought like oh, maybe he's like no, nobody pranks me. Nobody pranks our Ruddy. I used to work for the Rand yeah. Corporation. Yeah, See? so maybe. <laughs> well. Yeah, but that, is, that does seem like a missed opportunity. But like, I'm sure there's loads of stuff that they've 
Because, I mean, one episode left. Please. We've said, again, we've, there's, there's whole subplots that we could have done without. But here's what it is. So, I did like this, the, the screening. I enjoyed it. So what happens after the screening? Where does, Ruddy says he has to go somewhere. Where, where's he got to go? Yeah. He's got to go because he's got to go and, he's going to go and see someone. He's gone to see Coma Joe. He's gone to see Joe Colombo. So, yeah. <laughs> Joe's there and uh, Ruddy decides that he's going to go and see him and he does a little bit of a monologue, gets upset and just like, yeah, goes to see Joe, his best mate. And says to him like, they all loved it, like, mm. when you're better, like, we'll do a screening for you. And I'm not sure if you picked yeah. this, but like the way that shot, like the final shot of this is done, definitely a mirror to the end of the godfather you get that shot from the from the hospital room door of al ruddy like uh, well it's at his bedside table but it's like it's, it's obviously different like yeah. obviously they're obviously changing it up but it's him kissing the hand of joe colombo which is just the same and you've got like you've got the nurse on the outside of the door and it is like that it is that moment of Michael being like, do you know what I mean? Like sat at the, sat at the thing. Yeah. Kissing a I am now ashamed to say that I didn't get that. And now you've said it. Now you've gone, yeah, fucking, of course. Because I completely forgot that. And the nurse at the door, I was like, that's a weird choice. Was she supposed to have been listening? And uh, is that going to become a thing? And now you've said that, of course, that's what it was. It's exactly a moment. It, yeah. I missed that. Because I thought she was going to close the door. Like, I genuinely... Yeah. Like, I, like, like, that's like, why I was confused. I was like, oh, she's walked off. I go, oh, did she walk? But yeah, it makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Of course. I, like, there's definitely, like, the nod that they do. And I think... Yeah, I think 100%. it was because I watched the episode twice. And it was just the framing mm. of the door and the kiss of the hand. I was like, they're doing, they're doing that final shot for Godfather, which very much makes yeah. me think that this is like the kind of putting the the mob aspect of this show. Yeah, yeah. Like it's kind of like that is that is done and dusted, and we're kind of gonna be. Yeah, well, like yeah, as as uh, like, what are your closing thoughts on this episode before we get into what you think that? the next episode will be well yeah i liked it i, I like this episode i think it, it worked it tied up quite a lot of things and like it like i said in the the way the show is it did the right thing where we have to have that thing with bob's a broken man but then you have that big moment when he comes back and it's great and Barry's been such a hateful character all the way through because you do like he he's great, but he irritates you every time he's on. But you do it's nice to have I didn't know I needed it, but I'm glad it happened that you have that not redemption, but his moment where you, it gives him that little bit of humanity as well, like everyone else has had. Yeah, I thought as a as a penultimate episode, it really worked for me. Because I'm ready for 
the premiere now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, what do you think what do you think the next episode is going to what do you think it's going to cover before I before I read out what what IMDB says? Well, I would assume a large a, a majority of it would be revolving around the premiere and some kind of something's going to happen about the premiere. Some kind it, it could have to be a bit of drama somewhere along the line. Maybe I don't know what, but yeah, I, I would imagine a lot of it, and then maybe towards the end we'll have a wrap around of how well it's received and how great everyone is and. They all like anchor man, they all high five at the end. Cut to credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like that, yeah. So the next episode is called Brains and Balls. And the description yeah. on IMDb is The Godfather is released to rave reviews and box office records. Drama unfolds at the forty fifth Academy Awards. Oh, okay. Okay, we're going. We're going. That, we're yeah. going that far to it. We're going. Oh. We're going into nineteen seventy three. By the time did Brando win for the Godfather? Then, well, we're gonna have to find out mm. next week because there's some there's some drama around that. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so we'll uh, yeah. Um, as you do every week, where yeah, where where's the best place for people to keep up to date with everything you're doing? Like, let the people know about you. Just on Twitter, Will Chich. That's it, really. I, I like I said, like I say all the time. I'm on Instagram at Bill Chich, but mm, not great in it. So Twitter, Will Chich. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this episode or. Any episode of, of, of these discussions we've been having about the offer, if you've been watching the offer, if you, even if you haven't, have these episodes been enjoyable? Please do let us know. And you can keep up to date yeah, with myself. And I, I'm sure any episode that is about the offer will, will be tagged in it. Uh, you can catch me on all the socials at Caged in Pod. So that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and TikTok, which I really use. Um, or you can send me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. We can have a bit more of a, a long form, a bit of a more of a, I don't know, a, a private discussion, whether you want to tell, I don't know, tell me what you thought without, without the world seeing it. <laughs> um, so remember to leave the gun, take the offer of joining us next week. As we have the brains and balls to discuss the finale of the offer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged in Coppola Connections. A Drip Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network, it's family. <laughs>